again, good to see everyone this morning. Thank you all for being here. Just wanted to share a few thoughts with you this morning about honesty. And really, we're going to focus more on the other side of that for the early part of the lesson, and that is, well, what's the opposite of being honest? And the opposite of, of being honest is being untruthful, of lying. I think sometimes we um, look over or dismiss lying as something that's not that big a deal. We sometimes say those things like a little white lie is not that bad. But I want us to really focus in and understand how lying affects God. And I, I, the scriptures hopefully will bear this out as we go through them this morning. And sometimes we just dismiss lying and think, well, it's just... You know, I'll tell a lie here, or I'll bend the truth here, or I'll hold back over here. But when we lie, we transgress God's law. God's law is set up to, um, for one thing, is protect us from his wrath. And also, it's the idea of how we deal with each other, how we deal with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And our family members and people that we meet in the world, so it kind of comes down to there's really no such thing as a little white lie. We need to be truthful. We need to be honest. That's what God expects of us. So let's begin by understanding the, the basics of this and understand that lying is condemned by God. Let's just start there. In um, Leviticus 9, verses 11 and 12, it says, You shall not steal. Nor deal, nor deal falsely, nor lie to one another. So just in that, we can kind of see that it's really different forms of lying. There's lying flat out, but dealing falsely, you know, when we kind of bend the truth about something that we're, we're telling someone. And then stealing. Stealing, you know, it kind of crosses over into that realm a little bit. It's, it's more separate than that, but you can kind of see how all these things kind of hang together. You shall not swear falsely by my name. This is where God starts to play a part in, in this. Not only dealing with one another, but what is it, how does it affect God? Not uh, in swear falsely by my name so as to profane the name of your God, for I am the Lord. We think about, well, I can just tell this lie or I can just get away with this. Think about how it affects God. Remember, he knows everything that we do. He knows the, the hairs on our head. He knows how we deal with others and what that means to him. In uh, Proverbs uh, 6, verses 16 through 19, a familiar passage here to us. There are six things which the Lord hates, yes, seven which are an abomination to him. That's just some prophetic language there as far as that goes. There's seven things that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, and look what's number two, a lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans. There's kind of that crossing over into the lying realm there. Feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies. And one who spreads strife among brothers. Again, dealing amongst each other and how that affects God. God says that he hates these things, that they're an abomination to him. It's pretty strong language there. In the New Testament, in Ephesians 4, let's go there, Ephesians 4. 
Turn with me there. Ephesians 4, beginning of verse 20. Paul is, is making some, drawing some contrast here about those who have come to know Christ and those who are still of the world. He says those who are still of the world back there in 17, um, that you walk no longer according to the way the Gentiles walk and the futility of their mind. He's drawing a distinction here that, 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 that out in the world they act one way, but you shouldn't be acting that way. You're a child of God. There's expectations that are placed upon you. In verse 20, he says, you did not learn Christ in this way. Coming right out of verse 19, says they are callous, um, turning themselves over to sensuality, practice every kind of impurity with greediness. He says, you haven't learned Christ in this way. That's the polar opposite of Christ. Verse 21, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus, that in reverence to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you are renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of what? Of truth. You see how important truth is? It's the opposite of what the Gentiles practice and the futility of their mind and the greediness, all those things. And then verse 25, it says, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, Speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Put aside the falsehood. Put aside the lying. Put aside the dealing treacherously and, and, and falsely. And do what? Um, put on truth. Speak truth to one another. So there's the contrast that we have there. So clearly, lying is condemned by God. We know that. Let's talk about a little bit about some of the consequences of lying. Let's understand that lying tears down. In 2 Samuel 11 there, we don't have to turn there, but we remember that pretty well, I think. That's the story of David and Bathsheba. And how David saw Bathsheba there um, bathing on the roof. How she was um, beautiful in his eye. And how he lusted after her, and how he uh, went into her, and she conceived. All the things that happened there, committing adultery. Then he tried to cover it up by having his, Bathsheba, Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, put to death. All the lying that was associated with all that of, of David trying to cover his tracks. And then it came down to Nathan coming into him and giving him a parable about the the little sheep that the, the one man had and, and David being convicted of his sin in understanding that he was the one that did that. And it says there in chapter 12 as, as he's going through, he says, I have sinned before God. So David recognized when he was convicted of it that not only had he done all these things uh, with the adultery and then lying to cover it up and having someone uh, put to death essentially, he recognized that he had done that in transgression of God. And so he recognized that. Lying tears down. You know, it <clears throat> destroys your reputation and credibility. You know, David had terrible consequences that came out of that. The child that Bathsheba bore died, and David was in anguish about that. But also, think about what it does 
long term. David was able to overcome that. But if we're not careful, if we have tendency of lying in our life, it destroys our credibility and it destroys our reputation amongst other people. People soon realize that they can't count on you to tell the truth. And so your reputation and your credibility are destroyed. And as a result of that, relationships begin to fall apart. The relationship you might have with a brother in Christ, if, if that brother is, is lying to you, it destroys that, 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 repu- that uh, relationship. It tears down all sorts of kinds of relationships amongst family, amongst friends, amongst co-workers and peers, because you're not trustworthy. You're not credible. In Malachi 2 and verse 10, it says, Do we not all have one Father? Has not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously each against his brother as to profane the covenant to our fathers? Again, pointing back to God. We're all children of God. Then why are we treating each other this way? We have that same Father. He's the one that created us. We're all his creation. Why are we dealing treacherously amongst ourselves? Putting God first will help to alleviate that problem very quickly. Let's understand this also. Liars will be punished. In 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10, Paul writes there, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And he he makes a partial list here of of those that will will not inherit the kingdom of God. uh, Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, homosexuals, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, or swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And I emphasize swindlers there because we've talked about the, the connection there about dealing treacherously with each other, dealing falsely with each other, and how that's equated with lying. So when we're swindling, what are we doing? We're not telling the whole truth. We're not dealing rightly. We're not dealing righteously with one another. And what does Paul says the consequences of that are? They will not inherit the kingdom of God. Look with me over in Revelation 21. If we have any doubt about the, the fate of liars, Revelation 21 and verse 8 will clear it up. It says, But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral pe- uh, persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So if we have any doubt about the the fate of a liar, this verse ought to clear it up. And if we have any doubt about the seriousness of lying, this verse ought to clear it up. It's an abomination to God. Look over also at verse 23 of Revelation 21. I I want you to see the contrast here between the righteous that go to heaven and those who are unrighteous and fall short. Verse 23 of Revelation 21 says, And the city has no need for the sun or moon to shine upon it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. 
And the nations shall walk by its light, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into it. And in the daytime, for there is no night there, its gates shall never be closed. And they shall bring the glory of the honor of the nations into it. Think about the glorious picture that's painted there of a heaven where there's no unrighteousness. And God's glory shines through. No need of the, of the sun or the moon. It's God through Jesus that illumines it. Look at verse 27. Nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Think about the contrast that's painted there. Those who are practicing righteousness and those who are an abomination to God through such things as lying. Having said that, let's be honest. Let's be honest. This is a better way that we ought to conduct ourselves as Christians. In Ephesians 4, verses 14 and 15, it says there, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by ways uh, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. See how that keeps coming up about dealing treacherously with one another? But what? But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every aspect to him who is the head, even Christ. There's the contrast. Not in the craft, craftiness and deceitful scheming, not in all that, but what? Speaking the truth in love. If we want to be uh, pleasing to God and have a good reputation amongst our brethren, we'll speak the truth. Leave the rest of that for the world. In Colossians 3, in verses 9 and 10, it says, Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to the true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Again, that language there, the one who created him. Remember what it said back there in Malachi, didn't God create us all? And why are we lying amongst ourselves? We, we ought to recognize the God that our creator, uh, the God who is our creator. Do not lie to one another. Don't go back to that old body of sin where such things as uh, the evil practices that were there, the, the deceitful scheming, all those things. We'll put that off. Now we are to deal, deal truthfully, truthfully with one another. And finally in this, I love the way our Lord says it. Such a simple way of stating this. Matthew 5 and verse 37. Let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. You know, our Lord had such a way of, of cutting through, didn't he? He had such a way. He was indeed the masterful, the masterful teacher. He could... All that I've been saying, all that we've talked about in this short lesson this morning, can be summed up in this way, can it? If you say yes, then mean yes. If you say no, then mean no. All things in between, all things outside of that are of evil. It tells us to be truthful, to deal righteously with one another, not to deal... Uh, deceitfully with one another or treacherously with one another. If you, say, if you mean yes, then say yes. If you mean no, then say no. And get rid of all the other areas of gray in between.
And just let your yes be yes and your no be no. I'll leave you with this. And Travis, I apologize. Travis has had the scripture reading this morning and I walked right over it. But this is what he's going to read. It says, Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. I really feel bad because Travis practiced that this morning and had it down so well. Please forgive me, Travis. You know, the words of the Proverbs are, are spoken in, in poetic way to help to, to, for us to see things again in simple terms and, and maybe a little bit differently, a proverbial way. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. The idea of having them a, a, a part of you. Not just something that we engage in a, a, a occasionally, but something that's bound around our neck. Something that we keep with us all the time. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Another way of expressing that. So that it's there permanently. What things are we talking about permanently? Kindness and truth. So that you will find favor and good repute in the sight of who? Have we been talking about all morning? Not just man. And dealing with, with men so that we have that good repute, that good reputation amongst men. But we also have a good favor in the sight of God. Because if we think that lying excludes God from the equation, we're wrong. Lying is an abomination to God. He wants to make sure we are practicing the truth and dealing with each other, dealing with our brethren in a truthful way. So write these things on your heart. Bind them around your neck. Truth and kindness.